Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf and this episode about the book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. Keep listening to find out what's wrong with your team. You're listening to Steph's Business Bookshelf, doing the reading so you don't have to. Welcome back. Now, last week I talked about the book, The Speed of Trust by Stephen M. R. Covey. Along with that book, this book that I'm talking about this week, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, are the two that I refer to the most in the work I do in helping teams be better teams. They go together very nicely. There are other books that I use as well. But these two are the ones I probably come back to the most and the ones I know best because I've used them the most. It's funny, writing the notes and the three big ideas for this one, I actually almost didn't need to use the book. I did flick through it because it's good to go back over and see if there's things that I had not remembered or had missed, but it's always nice to go to a book that you you feel like you know very well. The reason I like it is because it seems to resonate with pretty much every team I I speak to and, and without just trying to reverse engineer everything into one of these systems or models and things, there is just a lot in here that is and just resonates with most leaders and the majority of teams. It's a fantastic model, it works well, it's easy to understand. But, there is a but, this book is a fable. I know, I know, I hate them. And actually in the in the longer book blurb, so I'll tell you a little bit more about the author in the book in a second, but in the longer book blurb, it actually says in this gripping, in this gripping tale, and I was thinking, no, absolutely not. This is not a gripping tale. Steve Larson, gripping tale. Five dysfunctions of a team, not gripping tale. Incredibly cringy and terrible fable. However, I obviously still really like the model and I really like the actual content, but the content actually starts on pretty much, let's have a look, page 187 of a probably 200 and, what's that, 220? Yeah, 220 page book. So you can probably read the, what, 30 pages, 40 pages or so of the book that's good and relevant, which is the stuff at the back in the time that it will take you to actually listen to this podcast. It's probably one of the few books you could read all the good stuff in the time that it takes to actually do the podcast. There we go, that's your challenge. Grab yourself a copy, press play on the podcast and see who gets through it first. So if you also hate a fable and you've been ignoring this book because of that, I understand. However, do recommend going and actually looking at the model. I'll put a link in the show notes to the Table Group website, which is the business that Patrick Lencioni co-founded. And in there, there's lots of other videos and supplements too, which are a much more compelling listen to or, or watch or read than the fable in the book. All right, rant over about the fable. Let's get into a bit about the author and the book. Patrick Lencioni is one of the founders of the Table Group and is the pioneer of the organizational health movement. He is the author of 11 books, which have sold over 6 million copies and been translated into more than 30 languages. As the president of the Table Group, Pat spends his time speaking and writing about leadership, teamwork and organisational health and consulting with executives and their teams. Prior to founding the firm in 1997, Pat worked at Bain & Co, Oracle Corp and Sybase. Pat lives in the Bay Area with his wife and four boys. That's taken from the Table Group website. A little bit about the book. In The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, Patrick Lencioni once again offers a leadership fable that is enthralling as instructive as his first two best-selling books, The Five Temptations of a CEO and The Four Obsessions of an Extraordinary Executive. 
This time, he turns his keen intellect and storytelling power to the fascinating, complex world of teens. Throughout the story, Lencioni reveals the five dysfunctions which go to the very heart of why teens, even the best ones, often struggle. He outlines a powerful model and actionable steps that can be used to overcome these common hurdles and build a cohesive, effective team. Just as with his other books, Lencioni has written a compelling fable with a powerful yet deceptively simple message for all those who strive to be excellent team leaders. And that is taken from Amazon. There we go. With that said, let's get into the three big ideas that I took from and often use from the book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. Number one, the five reasons teams don't work. Now we have all experienced these, but we maybe haven't put them together or found the link between them or or given them a name or a label or seen the relationship. The model is a hierarchy, so it's a nice little pyramid. And the way it works is that similar to something like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you can't get to the top without going through the bottom layers. You can't, it's not possible to actually achieve or get to those top things without having been through things lower down. So the five dysfunctions or the five reasons that teams don't work. Number one, so starting at the bottom of the pyramid, the absence of trust, which is why this link book links very nicely to the Stephen M. R. Covey book, The Speed of Trust. That was in last week's episode. Go back and listen to that one if you haven't already. All right, that was number one, the absence of trust. Number two was the fear of conflict. Number three, so the middle of the pyramid, is the lack of commitment. Four is the avoidance of accountability. And five, right at the top of the pyramid, is the inattention to results. And you can see or you can start to see the link between them. So without trust at the very bottom, so if that is missing, you then therefore can't have any healthy conflict. And that fear of conflict then drives people to not commit to things because you can't commit to something that you haven't had a conversation about or thrashed out in a constructive and creative way. And if you haven't committed to anything or to things, you can't be held accountable for them and people won't hold you you accountable for them and you probably won't hold yourself accountable for them. And without all of that, there's no way you can achieve the results that you maybe want to achieve or think you should be able to achieve. So all of those things build on each other. One of the things I often see, and we'll mention probably later in the episode as well, is often when team leaders come to me and ask for some help with their team, they'll often say things like, there's no accountability in my team. No one holds each other accountable. What they put out really nicely in in the book, and, and I often have the conversation with those team members or with those team leaders, is it's often not an accountability problem. It's actually a trust problem. Now, either because you've not had the conversation because you the other person hasn't actually committed to the thing, which is what is, is laid out here in the model, or it's a lack of trust problem because if you can't have those hard conversations about accountability, you actually don't have trust. You don't have an accountability problem. You've got a trust problem. So those are the five dysfunctions or those are the five reasons that teams don't work. It's the absence of trust, the fear of conflict, the lack of commitment, the avoidance of accountability and the inattention to results. So that's big idea number one, five reasons teams don't work. Big idea number two is first get personal. In the back of the book, in the good bit, there is some activities and some questions you can be using as a team leader or within your team to help overcome some of these challenges and to build the trust. And one of the things that they they talk about pretty quickly is the fact that to to build trust in a team, you actually need to get to know each other. 
need to overcome some of those biases we may have and get to know each other as individuals and as humans. It gives some example questions that you might use. For example, how many siblings do you have? Where did you grow up? What was a, an interesting challenge from your childhood? Now, of course, some people may feel more or less comfortable to share some of those things and how deep they choose to go. But the more we start to understand people as people, the more we will trust them. And the more we can trust them, the more we can have those conversations that we need to and embrace the vulnerability. One of the definitions of trust that I quite like is the ability to be vulnerable without the fear of repercussion. And that's what a lot of this book goes to in, in the trust element is the ability to put yourself out there and disagree with an idea or put yourself out there and challenge someone on something without the fear that that is going to come back and bite you on the bum. So that absence of trust or the, the lack of that level of trust will only result in surface conversations, less engaging meetings, a lack of ability to, to have the, the deeper meaningfuls that you need to as a team and as an organization to really get to where you could go and reach your potential. All of which, or none of which, serve to find or to create great results. But to do all of that, you first have to get personal. You have to get to know the other people and have the conversations that you need to, to build that trust. So that's big idea number two. First, get personal. Big idea number three is weigh in to buy in. And it's probably one of my favorite little quotes or one of the little elements of the, of the model is that relationship between trust, conflict and commitment that you have to, to trust that you can challenge things and that nothing bad's gonna happen to you. You're not gonna get sacked or taken off a project just because you challenge an idea or challenge a position that someone has. By challenging things, you get to, to thrash out the ideas, you get to understand other people's positions, you get to disagree but commit because you have had your say. So this is the difference between people not committing or people sitting silently disagreeing with something but not saying anything and then not going and doing the thing because they disagree with it but they've never said anything and between that and in a meeting having a really creative constructive conversation debating on some stuff seeing what works testing what might not work and then even if your idea is not chosen or your position is not taken being able to say you know what i've weighed in I've had my say, I understand why we're going down a different direction and I am bought into that because that is what the team have decided and I will commit to that direction even though I don't agree with it. And I don't think we see or hear enough of that quite explicit language and I know at Atlassian they're big fans of the disagree but commit and people actually using that language pretty, pretty explicitly to say I disagree but I'm committed, we'll do that together. So this is the idea of weighing in to the conversation to buy into what's next or buy into the, the actions and the commitments. Now this might be, or this might mean that you need to have some hard conversations. This might mean that as the leader, you need to choose who the right people are for the team. This can mean all sorts of different things. And in the book, there's a couple of different examples where the leader in this particular fable has to make some hard decisions around her team members. And that's an important point through all of this is the role of the leader. And there's a little part at the back of the book around the role of the leader and the role of each team member as well. 
But the role of the leader in going first, the role of the leader in role modeling this kind of behavior of, ex- of encouraging the, the healthy conflict, building the trust as a team and showing the vulnerability that is required as a leader for then others to be able to follow and feel safe to do so. It's really so important. So that's big idea number three, weigh in to buy in. Embrace that healthy conflict and that creative conflict and use it to move forward and get better outcomes. So there we go, pretty quick. We have three big ideas from the book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. Number one, five reasons teams don't work. Number two, first, get personal. And number three, weigh in to buy in. If you've used this book, read this book, found this interesting, love to hear your thoughts as usual. All my contact details are in the show notes for you to just click on and send me a message. I do love hearing from people who have been listening to the the episodes and what you've been learning in the books you've been reading or not reading or learning from as a result. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please drop over to the reviews. Give me a little five stars or, you know, something else, but preferably five stars, obviously. I would very much appreciate that. But otherwise, until next time, happy reading. Happy reading.